welcome to Extra Point, a podcast from USA Today Sports where we explore issues beyond the field of play. I'm Rachel Axon, your host for this episode, and today we'll be discussing online harassment of women in sports. I'm joined by Christine Brennan and Nancy Armour, columnists at USA Today and friends and role models of mine. Uh, thank you both for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Before we jump into the discussion, I want to give people some background of what, why we're talking about this issue. Uh, Julie DeCaro, a Chicago area radio host and writer for Sports Illustrated, and Sarah Spain, an ESPN radio host and ESPNW writer, participated in a public service announcement this week that's, at least of this recording, gotten nearly 3 million views on YouTube. In the spirit of Jimmy Kimmel mean tweet videos, uh, DeCaro and Spain sat as men read aloud some of the worst tweets and comments that had been sent to them. Uh, we're going to play a little clip from that video now so you can get a sense of what those were, but we want to warn you there might be some offensive language, most of it's beep, but just want to give you a warning, so here's, uh, here's a little taste of what was in that video. Players should beat you to death with their hockey stick like the whore you are. I'm just reading this. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay, uh, this is why we don't hire any females unless we need, uh, unless we need our sucked or our food cooked. Sarah Spain is a self-important know-it-all. Tweets, man. It's mean tweets. Um, f- this dumb. A lot of c word. There's a lot of c words. Yeah. Yeah. We'd of course highly recommend watching the video, which they've hashtagged uh, more than mean. It's worth noting that the men reading the comments and tweets are not those who posted them, and their response is, I think, part of what makes the video compelling. Um, so, Chris and Nancy, I guess just first of all, what were your impressions when you saw this video? I thought it was fabulous. Um, you know, I'm I'm based here in Chicago, which is where Julie and Sarah both are too. So I've seen a lot of the back and forth, or there has been a lot of back and forth among the you know Chicago female media members. So I'm not surprised that these two took this on, and I think it was great. And, and the thing that I love the most about it was actually it was a group of men, the, the guys from Just Not Sports, who. This was their idea. It wasn't even Sarah and Julie saying, hey, we want to do this. It was those guys approaching them and saying, we think that this is an important issue to discuss. Would you be willing to do it? Yeah, and I, I agree. And um, I think it's it's just taken this conversation to a different place. And while all three of us know that, and, and anyone who's in the sports media, male or female, but especially women still in a man's world, even though it's better than it ever was, um, right. we, we, we get these kind of comments. And our Twitter feeds can and, and notifications just can be inundated if there's a controversial topic. And, and what we're not, ta- we're not talking here, of course, about uh, constructive criticism or disagreement, uh, even, even vehement disagreement. We are talking about awful comments, cesspool kind of language, bad words, uh, words that people should be embarrassed to, to use anywhere, uh, that their mothers, <laughs> they'd be embarrassed if their mothers found out they were using them. And, and it's just this constant barrage that, that some of us get. And what I think they did was give a 21st century approach to a topic that we've kind of, 
you know, dealt with and ignored or sloughed off or or hated but moved on because that's what we do. We're, we love our jobs and our careers, and we're, nothing's going to take that away from us. It's a wonderful life being a sports journalist, as I know we all three agree. Um, it's the adventure of a lifetime. And so in this case, what Sarah and Julie did uh, with uh, with the guys uh, just who came up with the idea was was really show people exactly what this is. And you know, you can look at someone's Twitter feed. You can talk to us. We, I can talk about the days when I was covering Washington's NFL team and the letters that I got, uh, which were which were terrible, but they were also just personal, just to me. No, they didn't go public. And uh, but it's that's one thing. It's another thing entirely to to be able to see this in a couple minute long PSA that was done so professionally and 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 where the women acted, of course, so stoically as Sarah said, and the guys were the ones who were kind of emotionally rattled by it which also I think was, as Nancy said, was really part of the allure of this and the part of the success of this national conversation they've launched. You guys touched on a couple things there that I, I want to kind of get to. Uh, and I, I know you guys both know Julie and, and Sarah. I, I'm wondering what sense you have from them about, you know, why they were so willing to do this and why it was important to them. And then also the reaction. You know, I was talking with one of our male editors today, and he said, I had no idea <laughs> it was that bad. Um, so uh, I, I guess I'm wondering what each of you thinks about that. Go ahead, Nancy. Uh, uh, I, I think it's I've, I kind of chuckled when you said that, um, you know, somebody had no idea. I've gotten that right. from my friends all week. Have you seen this? Have you heard <laughs> about this? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah. And I think all of it. And Chris, you brought up a good point. We love the job that we do and, we, and we're not going to to let anything dissuade it. So we've gotten used to just dealing with it and, and going on about our lives. And, you know, we all know what happens and nobody's asking for, we're not asking for sympathy. What we're asking for, I think, is respect. And I think Julie and uh, Sarah just got to a point that they said enough is enough. I, I mean, Julie is, some backstory on her, she is an attorney. Um, she was a family services lawyer, uh, child services lawyer, um, very sharp woman. And so when Patrick Kane from the Blackhawks was accused of sexual assaults um, last late last summer, early last fall, Julie wrote a lot about it, posted about it, using her legal expertise, saying this is what he could, you know, this is what could be going on. This is what they're looking for. This is, you know, kind of laying out what was going on in the case and what could be happening. And the vitriol and abuse that she got was so bad that there was a day she couldn't go into work. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that, that People would get that worked up over, A, first of all, an athlete, B, somebody just presenting – and it wasn't even opinion. It wasn't like, I think he should be, you know, he should be charged with this, this, and this. It's, it was very straightforward. It was very matter-of-fact. It was reporting. Right. She could not do her job. Yeah, and I think, um, Nancy, that's, you know, that's a great point about Julie. And I, I talked to Sarah for the column I wrote about this the other day. And what Sarah said was it was – uh, Brad Burke, who was the one who who produced the video, and he was just struck by the amount of abuse that that these two women got, and 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 kind of brought it up. And I think, you know, I had a friend who said, "Oh, it's too bad though, that the women didn't like think it up themselves." And I said back, "Well, kind of what you just said, Nancy. Well, we deal with it every day, right. so there is that yeah. point, and I know Rachel, you do too, of course, where there's that point where you go." Listen, we we're we're moving on. Uh, we've moved on for years. 
Uh, we are really happy people. We are lucky and fortunate to get to be paid to do what we do. It's just, you know, to go to the Olympics, to go to Super Bowls, it's amazing. And so, so the last thing, you know, we're thinking is, oh, let's have everyone see what we're dealing with, with this little portion, but a significant portion of our life, but this little bit of our life looks like, that just wouldn't be us. And that wouldn't be Sarah or Julie. So it took, it took someone else kind of going, wait a minute, guys. And then, of course, Sarah and Julie having the guts and the strength. Uh, you know, they're the stoic ones, as the guys, uh, understandably, the, the men who are um, reading these, uh, who did, had no idea, obviously didn't write them themselves and, and didn't know until they came up on the iPad. These guys are kind of melting and they're, they're showing their emotions and Sarah especially, but both of them are, are sitting there taking it because that's what we do. So it did take that outsider's point of view, I think. And I think that's just a, a, a smart natural reaction, you know, that, that, and also we're talking about a 21st century male. This is not, he is not his father's son. I mean, he is his father's son, but he's not his father's man. He's not his grandfather's guy. You know, these are 21st century title nine males. And so they're, they're much more, uh, which is kind of the shame of this whole conversation is that things are so good in so many ways. And men are so much more accepting of women in sports and women in sports media than they've ever been. And our society, our culture is. And yet there, it's this awful few, uh, vocal few who attach themselves to us and, and try to make trouble because they are, are so upset or so concerned or so screwed up in their own lives. And um, that's kind of the irony of this, that, that it really is, it's great to be in sports journalism today as a woman. It's better than it's ever been, except the internet gives these guys this outlet that they never would have had before. Well, and you kind of touched on this, Nancy, you know, Julie writing about the Patrick Kane case. And I know we all three have written about kind of the intersection of sports and a lot of issues that have come up in the NFL and college sports regarding domestic violence or sexual assault. Um, and I find that maybe more than anything, uh, draws that out even more than you know why don't you like my team type stuff and and it's the same thing that that you guys are talking about where uh it seems you get a little numb to it i remember uh you know writing about you know sexual assault on college campuses and i got an email that was upsetting but i just kind of shrugged it off and i you know i showed it to a source who's involved in the issue and they're like no no no, you need to like alert someone to this and make sure your you know your legal team knows so i guess that gets to my question you, you know, people outside of our profession are, are seeing this through this video, but do you think that when this is part of your daily job, that as women in, in sports journalism, that we've become a little desensitized to just how bad this can be? Oh, I think absolutely. I, I, at least, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I, I think in some ways we have to be. If we got upset about every single one that we got, every, you know, even the awful ones, we would not be able to leave the house. Yeah. Um, and, and so you just, you, you, you just kind of move on. I mean, you, you just learn how to, to numb yourself to it and, and move forward. And I, I'm sure that all three of us, you know, Rachel, you just mentioned it. I've had the same that we've, that have referred things to legal. Chris, I'm sure you have too. And most of the time it's, it's not us even thinking it. It's not us being, not that we're not concerned, but it's somebody else going, no, this is unacceptable. And you really need to, to let somebody else in on it. But if we, if, if we let these people get to us, if we let them win, I guess maybe is the best way to describe it, then, then we all lose. And so we've just never allowed it to be that way. Yeah, Nancy, sure. that's a great point. And I think that, you know, we have the perspective that we know, and, and I'm 
you know, I'm the, the veteran of the three of us, you know, that we know that this didn't used to exist this way. And, you know, these, these guys always were out there. And as I said, I would make the right. case that there are fewer now. There really are. Because, again, the, the real Neanderthals, uh, well, there's a few, clearly, but there's <laughs> not as many as there used to be. You know, there just can't be because of the march of time and Title IX and, and social progress and, and men being raised in a different way. I just, you know, it's, it's a good thing we didn't have the Internet 50 years ago. One can only right. imagine what, <laughs> what those early pioneers would have dealt with, the Mary Garbers <laughs> of the world. It would have been awful. Sure. And um, so, so actually the irony is it's better now. But I do think, you know, back in the day when I was covering Washington's NFL team for the Washington Post and I would get some of these letters, well, you know, that guy, that was the most he could do. Um, And it was always men, Mm -hmm. Um, although we certainly know women can be awful as well. But um, I think in this case, we're talking mainly men, vast majority of men, but uh, because so much of it is sexist and and misogynistic. But, you you know, so they could yell at their kitchen in the kitchen and throw the newspaper across the room and yell at their spouse or their kids. And that was about the extent of their megaphone. Right. That was it. Um, and then a letter that I would read or throw away or that, you know, any of number of us who were around at that time would do and and uh, or show my editor if it was really bad or something. But so so now we've given them a voice. So ironically, the thing that is so great, the Internet, social media, the thing we love so much has also got this negative component to it that can be so hurtful. And it and I think it's important for us to mention, I know we all three agree, there has been some talk this week about, oh, these women are whining and you know, it's right. racial too, mm, yeah. and it's based on religion or national. And and yes, we agree absolutely. Um, the racism out there, the um, uh, depending on uh, uh, who, what you look like, and who you love, and all those things, people are getting it too. We acknowledge that. It's just for this conversation, uh, at this moment, we have taken this piece of this, the uh, the thing that's closest to us as women in sports media, and that's why we're discussing it. We totally understand that this is out there in full force with so many other groups of people as well. That's a great point, Chris. Yeah, you, you, Chris, you just kind of hit on <laughs> what my next question was going to be. But I'm wondering in the context of, you know, you mentioned Mary Garber. And for people who don't know, she was a pioneering female sports writer, I'm sure an idol for all of us. Uh, you know, Chris is someone uh, who came a generation before I did and helped pave the way along with many, many others. If you put this in that context of kind of a long term view of of women in sports and more specifically women in sports media, I'm wondering how, how this compares or, or, or where this fits in that. That, uh, that progression. Yeah, I'll, I'll, and Nancy, I'm interested because Nancy is coming along, what, 10, 11 years after me, so I, it, these generations come pretty quickly, um, you know, maybe every five to 10 years. Um, I think, you know, the big thing when I first entered the business in 1981 was the locker room and women not being yeah. allowed in the <laughs> locker room. And of course, that, you know, thankfully that's basically resolved. And the National Football League was the last of the four leagues to allow women to have equal access with men, basically women to do their jobs. And that was 1985. Uh, NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, and the NHL had done it sooner. So really, this is a lifetime ago. You know, this is, we're talking 30, 31 years. So the good news is that is basically resolved. Every 10 years or so, you hear about one bad incident. But I I really, I I think we all want to make it clear that is resolved. Do not worry about that. Uh, There can be moments. um, But in terms of equal opportunity, equal access, 
for all of us to go in and do what we do, which is interview athletes and get out of there and write our, our stories or columns or whatever. That is, that's taken care of. But that was the big one. So there I am standing in a loading dock at Dallas Cowboys, uh, after a Dallas Cowboys game in 1984. And I'm with the Washington Post, and I'm not allowed in. And Leslie Visser's there, and she's with the Boston Globe. She's not allowed in. But, of course, everyone, all the men, male reporters, which is pretty much everyone else, are in that locker room doing their job, getting the quotes, the fresh quotes. Uh, we're waiting that for, for them to bring out a couple of the players, Tony Dorsett or whatever, to us. So how weird was that? How crazy for the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL to be shutting out the Washington Post and the Boston Globe? That clearly could not last. And, of course, that's the joy of having diversity and having women hired in these positions so that they're there so that now these leagues had to force were forced to deal with it, and that's what happened with the NFL. So that was the big one and it was not easy because you know I would show up in a stadium and I would say okay I could go into this locker room but I couldn't go into the, that locker room. But again resolved in 85 and I think it's important to note that's a long time ago now and that issue is off mm -hmm. the table. Um, but that was that was tough and but again as Nancy's pointed out and Rachel you have too I wanted this. This wasn't going to stop me from doing what I was going to do. I wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, none of us would say, okay, well, that's, that's it. I can't get in the locker room. So I'm going right. to, you know, decide to go to law school. Heavens no. This was right, my right. whole life's passion. I was so prepared for it as so many of, of the women who came before me were and opened doors that I walked through. And so, um, yes, these were all things that were in our way, but they were never going to be things that inhibited us from doing what we love to do. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And you know, I I think I was obviously very fortunate. Um, as you said, Chris, I came about ten, eleven years after you. Um, when I started covering Notre Dame, I did still have a locker room issue because it, I was the first woman to cover Notre Dame on a full time basis, and they didn't know quite what to do with me. Um, but you know, learning process for all of us ended up getting worked out. And then once I got to Chicago, it was interesting because all of a sudden there were other women around, you know, four and five other women. I was not the only one, which was just, you know, that was something new. But then, and still at that point, you, I think we kind of moved on from the women don't belong here to, well, why do you want to be here anyway? Well, mm -hmm. we want to be here because we love sports. We don't, you know, there the the questioner, the suspicion that oh, you're just trying to, you want to date an athlete. No, nothing <laughs> could be further from the truth. Um, you know, so you had to deal with questions like that. And you know, this to me, the you know, the 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 online harassment seems almost to be more of an outgrowth of that. Those those types of ideas, just in electronic form. Sure. This is something that um, Julie and Sarah have both written follow-up columns, you know, based on the response they've gotten. And I thought this was really poignant for Julie. Uh, you know, if you watch the video, uh, it's obviously very hard for both those women sitting there listening to this, even though they've seen, you know, they've seen these tweets. But for the men who are coming in and reading them, who, you know, probably don't hold these views based on their reaction, having a really hard time and struggling. Um, I, I think that's part of what makes it really compelling. And one of the things Julie wrote afterwards is, you know, kind of those those good guys who are going to be the allies. You know, we need them on our side, but we don't need them speaking for us to help right. kind of fight against this. So I'm wondering what role do, you know, we know a lot of colleagues in this business, a lot of men in our lives who who also find these types of things abhorrent. What role do they have in, in kind of helping just, you know, sports writers or women in general online uh, who are dealing with this type of harassment kind of, you know, to help end it. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first on that. And also, by the way, Rachel, I would love to hear some of your thoughts on this topic as someone who's come along after both of us. So feel free to yeah. answer your own question at any moment. Um, you know, first of all, I think these these companies, Twitter and, and Facebook, need to do a better job of policing themselves. They all they say they Absolutely. can't do anything or they kind of can, and then they say, well, we got it, whatever. And the First Amendment, there's no big three bigger fans of the First Amendment than we three. Uh, that's not what we're talking <laughs> right. about here. So I would hope that in the next five to 10 years, maybe, maybe sooner, but that some of these companies and then the future companies that are coming next, the next Twitter, the next Facebook, the next uh, Instagram, whatever, will figure this out a little better and and be able to, once someone blocks someone or you just, that person can't come back with three other accounts that afternoon. You know, there, right. there's got to right. be ways because this is about a national cultural dialogue that we want to have. And to just have everyone blocking people, which we, which I do, and you have to do uh, at some level. Well, that that's really unfortunate for everybody. So I think um, this is much more than just w- women in sports media. This is about uh, our national conversation, which is is moving to the internet in a huge way. So there's that, and then yeah, we don't need our, our sports editor. As as wonderful as they are, male or female, uh, we've all had women women sports editor. We've also had men sports editors over the years. Uh, we don't need them to to hold our hands or help us. We're we're fine, <laughs> America. We are fine. Newsflash: everything's fine. Uh, we we are we are tough and strong, and none of this is new to us. Um, but um, what maybe will come out of this is that instead of the good guys and good women, the the ones who might up just look at the cesspool that's created online, but move on, oh, I'm not going to get in that. I'm not going to throw my elbows around. You know, I agree with Nancy Armour on that point, but oh, I'm not going to enter that conversation. Maybe after watching uh, the, the PSA, maybe after reading some of this and being a part of this national conversation over the last week, maybe they will dive in now and say, hey, wait a minute. Or they'll block someone or they'll alert someone or do something um, that maybe more of the good guys, the good people will ju- jump in here now and and add their voice. Not that that changes the bad ones. The really bad ones are, right. sit there like a sore thumb. But I'm hopeful that there will be positive things to come out of, of what we're doing here, what they did over the last week and how that's impacted all of us. So I, I think there might be some change, hopefully. I'm, I'm At least, I, you know, I'm one of those optimists, so I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> And one of the things that um, that I saw the other day, uh, one of our colleagues, Eric Adelson, he's got he and his wife have two daughters. He and his wife are both sports writers. And he made a great point. He said, you know, this is something that needs to start not when these guys are in their their late teens, early 20s, 30s, you know, whatever age they are. It needs to start young. And so maybe a conversation like this, hopefully a conversation like this will spur parents, whether they're in the media business, politics, whatever they're in, to look at it and think, you know, these are conversations I need to be having with my children, boys and girls, about respect for people, how you treat people, how you would want to be treated. And, you know, any kind of any anything that will prompt a conversation like that is only for the good. Rachel, what do you think? What, what would you, Rachel, what would you do if we put you in charge of all this? How would you how would you change? <laughs> or what do you what do you hope changes out of all this? I mean, my, my, my general rule and, and uh, I think I, I came in maybe 10 or 15 years after Nancy even. So pretty much most of my time in journalism has had some form of social media and some form of this. But um, I've just noticed l- lately it's gotten so much more vile, so much more 
gendered um and what i would really really hope for is you know and i think you guys would agree i just want to get to the day where if you disagree with something that we wrote we can talk about why you disagree about with you know what we wrote why you didn't think that was a story why you know someone didn't like an opinion that one of you guys you know wrote in a column whatever as opposed to the type of stuff you see in the video, you know, four letter words and, and name calling. And I think that just kind of, it, it's kind of baffling to me that, you know, people would think like this. I'm part of a title nine generation that's always grown up with this. And I, you know, if, if there are guys like this in my life, I don't know them because they, you know, they wouldn't say things like this. And I think it goes to my general, I mean, my rule for myself as a social media user and as a journalist is, you know, if I wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, reporting this in the paper, then I'm not going to tweet it. And I wouldn't feel comfortable saying this to a person then right. I'm not going to tweet it. And I just, there doesn't seem to be that level of restraint. I do think to your point, Chris, uh, the social media uh, companies can be doing a better job here. And this is not just a sports thing. We've seen a lot of these types of issues with women in gaming, uh, you know, even outside of sports media, uh, you know, women who write for play, you know, places like Jezebel or, or things like this get the same type of, you know, if you have any sort of feminist voice, you get shouted down in kind of this really vulgar way. Um, so I do think that, that Twitter, it, it's mostly Twitter, but there are other ones, you know, Facebook or whatever, can be doing more to to be policing these types of things. Um, but uh, my hope is that, uh, you know, I don't, I'm with Julie. I don't think we need to let the guys speak for us, but speak with us, right? You know, I, ha I have a lot of, we all have a lot of male friends in this industry and the more they say, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, or, or for instance, it was, um, was it DeAndre Levy? Yes. Am I getting that name right, Nancy? Yeah, he, uh, he wrote a, the Detroit a, Lions. Yeah, he wrote a column on the Players' Tribune about masculinity and, and that what that means in the context of, you know, defining domestic violence and, and sexual assault and their understanding of it. And the more you have voices speak like that speaking with women and, and being kind of that guidepost for what is okay for that type of behavior, I think the, the better off that we'll be. And one thing that, that Levy pointed out in his piece, which I was so happy to see because it's, it's something I, I say, depending upon my mood and if I decide to respond to some of the trolls or not, is these things get personal when you realize that these aren't just women. They are your sisters. They are your, your mothers. They are your aunts. They are your wives and your girlfriends. They are your daughters. And when you start looking at it in that context – because we all are, you know, I'm, I'm an aunt, I am a daughter and I am a sister. So when, when people start humanizing it and they start humanizing each other, which frankly is what we should be doing anyway, it shouldn't be right. just because of this, that should just be, you know, common decency. But when people do that, it makes it really hard to, uh, you know, to look at sexual assault, to look at, at online harassment the same way, because these are somebody's loved ones. And I think that's an important lesson for everybody to remember. And so, like I said, I was really, really happy to see Levy bring that up. Well, and my, my I don't know if this is naive, but my, my feminist heart would hope we can get to the day where you should just not treat people that way because they're people. Right. Not because of who they are in relation to a man, someone's wife, daughter, sister, whatever. But I feel like that's kind of the context that we need right now, right? Like, we're, we're not quite there to that idealized version. So if that's what gets people to understand it, by all means, go for it. Yeah, I think that's true. And I also think, you know, we see this in other topics, too. For example, I did a column a week ago on, on Kurt Schilling, and 
you know, the, you know that's that group um, it was more political. I think that they came out in force, and again with terrible, terrible comments, and I <laughs> just block, 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 block. Um, so you know, it doesn't maybe solve the problem, but at least that person won't be back again, and at least with that name. Anyway, because life is too great, and there's just not enough time in the day to deal with it, um, uh, and I refuse to. But I, I've got to believe we're in the last days of some of this. And when I say days, I don't mean days. <laughs> I mean probably years. But, Era, yeah. yeah. Right. There, the country has, is, is changing, and we see this in politics, and we're not going there, of course, but we see the conversations there. And you see people reacting in certain ways. Um, you know, the, the laws in our nation, uh, the millennials and how they feel versus the way their grandparents feel and voted. You know, th there's some social changes here that are extraordinary in our country. And so, again, I have to believe that some of this anger that we get and our colleagues get, and again, our colleagues uh, who are African-American or Asian-American or a certain religion or a certain national, whatever they get, has comes from the fact that an era is ending, and these people are close to ending, and these people uh, are kicking and screaming, um, and I, it's a broad brush, and I'm, I, I don't, I'm not trying to say anything more than I'm saying, but I really think like some of these guys who we hear from just can, still cannot stand that women have the jobs they have and the roles that they have in sports media, and maybe we can extrapolate for them, maybe not. I'm, you know, who knows what their lives are like, and they can't stand it, and so they're lashing out. Well, that world is closing in on them. Uh, women are doing more than ever before. Hence, I'm not saying they're going to go away anytime soon, but the march of history, they have to go away um, because, or I don't know what, maybe move or something, because it's just, it's just not going to keep happening for them the way that they wish a 1950s world would be. And I think that's a great point that in, as I think in 10, 15, 20 years, hopefully even sooner than that. But I think the, the, the teenagers and the, you know, the, the youngsters now, they're going to look back at, at these days and think, what were you people thinking? Um, you know, cause we, we have seen that at other points in history. And, and so Chris, I think you are very right that this is almost like the, the death throes of, of an era and it, you know, it cannot end soon enough. Exactly. And for all of our sake, let's hope so, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's all we've got to, for today. Thanks for uh, for joining us, Chris and Nancy. Rachel, thank Thanks you. Thanks, you guys. That's it for this episode of Extra Point. We will put the link to that video in our show notes so you can follow along. And, of course, we've got much more to come, so we hope you'll tune in, subscribe, and rate us. Thanks for listening.